dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. We're looking at the moments when our Lord reveals what his mission is. By seeing his mission, we better understand our own. In John 18, verses 33 through 38, our Lord speaks with Pontius Pilate about his mission. Well, hello, everybody. Thanks so much for coming again. I'm just so glad to be able to address this very important topic looking at what the mission of our Lord actually is. Now, it, it's, a, it's a paradox, right? Because our Lord doesn't have a mission like we do. Our, our Lord is our mission, right? And, and Jesus is sent by the Father from into the world with the fullness of the divinity. So, but at the same time, he has a mission from the Father. He is sent from the Father. And when he's sent from the Father, he's sent in order to accomplish something. So what was the Father's great plan that our Lord was sent to accomplish? If I can understand that, then I can better understand why he founded a church and why he then sent on mission his apostles and why the apostles then sent on mission their own followers and successors all the way down through the ends of time to the bishops of the Catholic Church today. So like, what is the whole point? If I can understand why the apostles sent their people and what then those people are telling us who are lay people to do, right? What is the mission that I'm supposed to be accomplishing in my family? What's the mission I'm supposed to be accomplishing in my workplace as a Christian? This is obviously a very essential question, and I'm going to be able to answer that when I understand how what I do as a Christian folds back into the mission of the church, and I can understand where the mission of the church is when I see how it folds back into the one who sent it, the intention of Christ himself. And it's very important, therefore, when I understand that the mission of Christ himself was spoken to. There's actual texts and actual references where Jesus says why the Father sent him into the world. And what I want to do here today is go through one of those and, and a continual, you know, a series here where I can address you because taking each one apart and hearing our Lord himself speak about why the Father sent him into the world is so rich. We can unpack it in so many different ways, uh, almost like a, a river, right? That you, if you read in the, in the book of Ezekiel, there's this great prophecy about a river. It says there's like a little trickle that comes out of the, 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 the right side of the temple in Jerusalem, and that that little trickle, the further it goes away, the wider it becomes, until it becomes a river so wide that he can't even walk across it. It becomes wide and deep 
the further out that it goes. And that river there is a symbol for us of the truth. It's all distilled. It's all contained in a small package, right? The, the gospel message, Jesus Christ and who he is for us, what he goes and says and does. It seems like it's so small. He just says these little lines in the gospel about his mission. But the further that it goes, the more that you understand of it, the more that you follow it, the deeper and wider it becomes. So it is with God's word. We, and I, I want to just make sure that you all understand this clearly. The word of God is living and effective, living and active. It is keener and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is a living and powerful force in our lives. Uh, sometimes people get, get, come to me and they, and they act like the Bible is somehow just the, the, the fodder for scholars. In other words, especially in Catholic spheres, this happens. A lot less in evangelical spheres. But in the Catholic world, we, a lot of people are afraid to pick up their Bibles and read them. Because we say, well, I can't understand what's going on. You say, oh, the vocabulary is just so different. And, and then we go to our commentaries and we try to, it, that's if you even know what a commentary is. In the end, this is a very important thing. Scholarship is extremely important. Going back to the sources, all of the academic rigor around the Bible, it's, it's essential. It's not that it's bad. It's just that, hey, we can't allow at the same time God's word to not permeate our life just because we don't think that we can understand it. You can understand it. The Holy Spirit of God has been given to you for understanding. And reading and picking up the scriptures, God speaks to our hearts. And in that direct confrontation of the believer's heart with the word, there is the agency, the activity of God himself in our life. Don't deprive yourself from this essential aspect of nourishment. Like it or not, we are all being told truths. And we accept truths into our heads that help us to guide our life, whether they come from God or they come from celebrities or music or, I mean, ideas are out there all the time. What are the ideas that are in your mind? What are you listening to and feeding yourself with that is speaking to you about what's right and wrong, about your destiny, about your identity? We're willing to listen to music constantly teaching us about how these musicians see our lives more readily than we are to listen to God's holy word. And I think it's just fine to listen to music and fine to listen to poets and read books and all of these things. But nothing compares with the wisdom of the truth that comes from the Bible. I want to encourage you to pick up your Bibles and read, especially in today's context, where truth itself is being questioned, called into question, and even put on trial. And we're going to see this in, with our Lord in John 18. The, the Lord, who is truth himself, is put on trial and dismissed. And, and th this has continued down through the eras. But in our day especially, we sense this acutely. People don't want to hear truth. But it's a fallacy, my friends, to claim that there, it, it, the only thing that is true in the world is that there is no truth. 
<laughs> Think about it. As young people, you say, do you believe in objective truth? And the young person says, no, I don't. And you say, is that objectively true that there is no objective truth? And they say, yes, it is. And you just have to laugh at them, right? And in the same way, practically, I'd like to say that there's a same thing going on practically for you and I. When we deny the plausibility of scripture to anchor our life, and we accept things that don't even pretend to be infallible and do not come directly from the mouth of God. And we say that these things will anchor our life. Political opinions, what everyone around is saying, conventional wisdom. These things fill our brains. Why would we not give room for the Bible itself to speak to us if we're going to give room to all these other voices? And when we do allow the Bible to speak to us, it gives us an actual contact with the active presence of the Holy Spirit. We see this in John 15, John 16, where Jesus says, the spirit of truth will give you to know my words and bring back to you all that I said. When you open the Bible, the Holy Spirit is moving in your life. He's speaking to you. He's active. He's teaching you. And man, being taught by the Holy Spirit opens our hearts to a whole new way of living. And it's that level of depth that allows us to encounter Christ in a living way. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so why don't we pick up our Bibles then and take a look directly at John chapter 18, verse 33 through 38. Uh, let's start with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, looking at John 18, uh, verses 33 through 38. We have the second moment here where Christ, or a second moment, where Christ speaks about his mission in the world. Let's take a look at this. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, 
So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Sirah. That's an amazing dialogue here between our Lord and Pilate. Because, of course, earlier on we know that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Right? So when Pilate asks, what is truth? <laughs> the truth is looking at him, literally. <laughs> He's in the presence of truth himself and asking, what is truth? It's, Jesus is almost, you know, it, you're looking at this saying, Pilate, what's it going to take for you to actually accept truth? We live in a context of a world today, my friends, which is living in an inherent contradiction. The only truth that people will accept is that there is none, which is a contradiction. If there is anything that is true, then we need to follow what is true. We can't live our life saying that there is no truth and that's the only truth. But what has happened? What's happened is that the ideas of philosophers and thinkers have changed. Initially, the role of, of deep thinkers was to try to penetrate into experience, into what we live as human beings, and explain it, give an explanation, say this is why these things happen. Thinkers were there proposing a, a, a solution to common problems that everyone would confront. In other words, they were at the forefront of seeking truth, and by going deeply in their reflections, they would find solutions that had broad appeal and that were able to give guidance for politics and ex find expression in the arts. So in a healthy culture, philosophy actually advances art, advances deep thought that is expressed in new ways through creativity and also guides the political sphere. But when the philosophers shift from an attempt to understand the deep things of reality into a position of trying to justify the framework by which they can make any statements at all, art loses the, its ability of creative expression of the depths of human souls with certitude and becomes an exercise of criticism and self-doubt. It becomes an exercise of saying that there is nothing that is sure and that the only things that are out there are self-expression, wild and free. And politics, by the same token, loses the guidance of saying that there is the ability to form a consensus amongst opposing parties to move us forward and devolves into partisan attacks of one side against another in an endless swinging of a pendulum with the result that our society simply goes out of control in a spiral that's increasingly wide, broad, and distant. And my friends, like this is something that just happens. Though as you see truth and as you understand truth, so do you understand politics and so do you express art effectively. I mean, art, culture, the values that are enshrined in our customs, 
these things and that, that are defended in our laws and that are promulgated by our politicians, these things all depend upon how the human person and how human society frames its ability to make statements that are accurate, deep, reliable. And currently, a lot of the thinkers of our world believe that the framework of thought itself prohibits statements that are objective, universal, or even reliable through time. Culture and the vicissitudes of the era have such an, a weight of influence as to preclude the ability of the human being to speak in such objective terms. Instead, the best we can do is express what we feel or we think to be true at any given moment of time. This, and therefore the values that are enshrined as being good are those of authenticity, of sincerity, and even of due humility. And these are all very good things, of course. The only question is, is this the accurate assessment of the human beings and society's ability to speak and to know? Is the depth of where we can go as a people limited to the framework of the human mind and the framework of our subjective experience? Isn't there something that we can do that can touch being itself, say what is and what is not in, an, in a clear fashion? Of course, we can rely on the word of God for that. We can look to the Bible for that. We can see that God teaches us that. But if God is able to say that and the Bible is able to teach us these things, isn't it possible for our minds to say them as well? The Catholic tradition has always said yes. And my friends, if that's the case, then I can understand why our Lord, who is truth himself, speaks to Pontius Pilate like he does and says, I came to bear witness to the truth. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. All right, so if we take a look then closely at the Bible, we open up to John 18, and this is such an incredible spot because you have truth, Jesus Christ, in front of power, Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate is very keenly aware that he is, in fact, the one who holds the power in this situation. Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you or the power to release you? Right? And, and Jesus responds, you would have no power at all if it had not come from above. And Pilate gets nervous and he turns to him and he says, are you a king? Verse 37, chapter 18 of St. John and Jesus answered, you are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate asked, what is truth? Ah, my gosh. If only Pilate would have said amen to that. What would have, you know, if only Pilate would have accepted what Jesus said then power would be aligned with truth. And when power is aligned with truth, goodness comes forth for the world. 
what an opportunity we missed when we asked the truth himself what truth was, when truth was looking at us in the eyes. Our Lord came to testify to the truth because only the truth allows the human society and the human person to develop fully. We cannot be free if we do not know the truth. Without the truth, we don't have an objective. We don't have a purpose. We don't have a passion, therefore, that, that allows us this freedom of the inside to develop as a person. And you can look at this in your own workplace. You can look at this in your own leadership. Why did our Lord say that his mission was identified as the truth? This is so important because we continue his mission. If we can understand what the mission of Christ was, we understand what the mission of Christians is. And when our Lord comes to us, he says he came for truth to testify to the truth so that those who hear the truth, hear his voice, remember that he's speaking there in terms of his kingship. Pilate asks him, are you a king? He answers, I came to testify to the truth. There's a link between the leadership of the ruler and the essential nature of truth. He is a king because he, in fact, witnesses to the truth. Jesus is pointing out to Pontius Pilate that there's a distinction between power and authority. Pontius Pilate has all power, but he has no authority. Christ here has all authority and his power is being taken away. Power is your ability to move somebody from the outside. Authority is your ability to move somebody from the inside. That's why our Lord tells Pilate that everyone who hears the truth, listens to the truth, hears his voice. There's something inside of them that responds to Christ. And when we can summon that inner portion of the person, we speak into their hearts all of their activities flow from that. I mean, from the, the, the rectitude of politics that actually founds itself upon morality and ethics. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't, I mean, we all want that, right? We're, we're all waiting for the day when our politicians, instead of vying to get reelected or to keep their seat, used in their position in order to take stances that genuinely advance the good, not just of the economy, but of the human person as a whole, an ethical politician. And of course, there are some out there. I'm not saying that there's not. But at the same time, that's what we want, right? We, we, we long for that type of moral leadership. And that we, if we can couple that, of course, with economic leadership and good business sense, that's absolutely wonderful. But if you have good economic policies and good business sense and no ethics, we can't be sure that you're really going to steer the ship in the right direction. But if you were to align the power of politics and law and society, if you were to align that with truth on the inside, that ethical conviction would shine forth and would redound and would set people free to an authentic human culture. And they look, look at the same way at the arts. What would happen if the arts were to look not just at their ability to change matter in any way that they want as an expression of the feeling of the person, but what if 
in fact, the art was a cooperation with that matter to make it speak something even deeper, that the human genius of art would lie in the ability of the artist to transform that matter into a fashion of the human spirit, a reflection of the intelligence in the heart that sees deeply into things and is able to speak truth in those incredible forms that we call art, from painting to sculpture to dance. I mean, in the end, what Jesus is telling all of us as leaders is that if you really want to lead, you really want to be a king, you need to have truth because true kingship is not the ability to order people around. True kingship is the ability to inspire them to give their best. And when I go into my workplace, are my, my employees, are my, is my management team, is my boss, for all that matter, inspired by seeing me? Do I touch the inside of their hearts? This is my job as a Christian, everybody. I mean, you can get artificial intelligence to reorder things and drive our cars and figure out what we're going to do with our days. I mean, artificial intelligence can organize things. It can move things from the outside. But artificial intelligence lacks authority because it cannot make a claim on truth. It cannot speak to the inner heart of a person. The quest that they have for God, their deep realization of what they can be, this is a realm that belongs to the human intelligence and its capacity to grasp being, to say things as they are. And, and I know that this talk is not an easy one because for many people, philosophy is seen as an exercise of futility. But I'm telling you that the, the pen is mightier than the sword and that the philosoph philosophical reflection that denies truth also denies the word of God and its power to save. We need to do everything that we can to claim back this lost ground. Because our jobs as Christian leaders are to, is to speak to the heart of a person on the inside. To say you are much more than what you do on the outside and your capacity to transform matter and to move things around and make whatchamacallits. You are a human person with an, a destiny given to you by God. And my job as your leader is not to let that go to waste but to inspire it, ignite it, to set it free in many different ways throughout your life. I'm here in my workplace as a son of God to bring his light and to continue his mission. The truth is you were made for God and your job and your life find their ultimate fulfillment in his infinite goodness and in response to his call. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.